0: Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the show. This is David Scales, your host of Surf Splendor. Excited to be back for another episode. Surf News for April 28, 2017 with Scott Bass. Um, <clears throat> quick note before I get into today's show. I'm hosting a film screening for Cyrus Sutton's new film, Island Earth. And hopefully you caught that episode last week, um, episode with Cyrus Sutton discussing the film. We're hosting the screening on Monday, May 15th. It's in Long Beach, California, so Southern California, Southern Los Angeles, North Orange County, and we would love to have you there. You need to secure tickets by May 8th, so that gives you a bit of time, and uh, you can do it on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. There's a link to purchase the tickets. And, um, yeah, we, we would just love to have you there and we'd love to do more community events like this. So, uh, participate and it's a great film by the way, and actually for a great cause. I have a trailer of the film also on surfsplendorpodcast.com So do not miss that. Thank you. And then, um, yeah, surf news today. Uh, Scott and I kind of get into it kind of crazy. The first 17 minutes of the show, um, After this intro, uh, it kind of hit me out of left field. It's kind of of a personal nature. Scott and I discussed it after the fact and decided to leave it in the show um, because I think you know there's been a little bit of tension underneath the surface between he and I, and I've gotten emails from listeners about it, and um, and I know he has too, and so that's why we figured we would leave it in the show. Just why not? You know, like if you're curious about it, we'll just kind of have the discussion on the air. And uh, also, I'm just curious to hear your feedback on it. You can contact me um, via email hello at Uh, You can also comment on Instagram in a day or so after you listen, or after this goes public, I will post an Instagram asking for feedback. And then Scott's email is um, uh, Scott at surfboardshow.com, or I believe Boardroom Show. Let me see down the line radio at gmail.com is scott's other email address so reach out to us give us feedback on it i'm open to whatever take you have on it even if you say i'm wrong totally open to that i'm just curious to hear thoughts um and so it's first 17 minutes of our discussion and then we go into surf news and then it kind of comes up again at the end of the show for the last couple of minutes so Stick around till the end, and then I have some closing thoughts um, in the outro of this show, too. So, I will say, arguably, the most entertaining episode of Surf Splendor, perhaps, ever. So, anyways, enjoy it. I'll be back at the end of the show to sign us off. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, guy, yeah, guy, down the line, Surf Talk Radio, it's April 27th, 2017, and that's Grazing in the Grass by the great Hugh Masakela coming at you on KLSD, just kidding, <laughs> down the line, Surf Talk Radio, Scott and David with you, I was, Scott Bass, David Lee Scales.
0: I was like, where am I right now, I, maybe I'm in the wrong studio. It's like
1: 1967 Los Angeles Jazz Radio. Oh, is that really? I was transporting you.
0: Wow, man, that was amazing. Uh, yeah, Sal Masakala's dad. That's Hugh right, Masakala. Huge shout out to our boy Sal. Um, what's up, Scott? Good to see you, dude. Yeah, man, good I, to be here. I didn't bro. think I'd see you this week or next week, given that your yearly massive event is uh, coming into town. Oh, I know, right?
1: The Boardroom Show, International Surfboard Show, May sixth and seventh. Please come down and join David and Scott and s- meet us and see us and check out all the killer surfboards and be a part of the panel discussions. And there's all sorts of stuff. Of course, honoring Al Merrick, the legendary icon of foam presented by U.S. Blanks, icons of foam, tribute to the master shape off 10 international
0: shapers, David, 10 of them. Did you queue up my interview with Al? I haven't. <laughs> did you, oh, no. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> that sounds like a very sincere. I'll try. Wow. Well,
1: yeah um yeah, exactly but anyway we're pretty excited i'm pretty stoked on on the shape off it's gonna be a lot of fun and they're gonna be shaping replicating a classic almeric design and we've got shapers from all over the world coming in from basque region of spain from uh
0: hawaii, hawaii, hawaii
1: australia it's gonna be good stuff man
0: yeah so seriously though um are you flustered where are you at right now are you no everything we're, you coming know together? yeah like,
1: this is our 10th year our 17th show we've been doing it a while so certainly there's you know last minute stuff that just flies at you around this time of the show week before the show but um, you know I've I've got it most mostly handled there's going to always be bumps in the road but it's you know
0: is there any way to gauge um, what the attendance will be like in advance Um. yeah you know based on
1: pre-sales of tickets I'd say it's going to be pretty good you know
0: yeah. I mean, I would think though, it seems to me that most of the ticket sales happen at the door in past yeah. years. Yeah. So like, but from my experience, obviously I've been coming the last four plus, maybe five years. It is always busier and busier and busier, you know? Yeah. And like what I thought was really great attendance two or three years ago got dwarfed the next year. Yeah. Um, so I would expect a bigger and better show. I mean, especially, you know like almeric i don't know that it gets bigger than that or more interesting and relevant than that in modern surfboard design
1: yeah no i would agree and and you know the marketing just hit like the you know the ads in the local magazines or the local newspapers start this today literally today the ads on the radio started today you know i was actually listening to them on the way in so we've got um advertising on uh Sports Talk Radio in San Diego 1360, Extra Sports 1360 and um and you know we're in Bliss magazine, we're in Surfer magazine, we're in Deep magazine, we're in the Coast News which is the local beach rag down there. Um and of course we're doing a lot of guerrilla marketing. We're all over the internet, mm-hmm. um on Surfline and just through various other places. So
0: Podcast marketing, you know. Podcast
1: marketing, Thank the most you very relevant
0: much. media outlet there is today. I would say completely Platform. relevant and
1: cutting edge, and you know, at the tip of the iceberg. You know, changing. You know, like we're way ahead of the curve.
0: Completely which not, might not be fettered a good thing. at all by red tape and bureaucracy.
1: No, we can sit here and talk boardroom show all episode. We and, can curse. And you? Oh, speaking of that, <laughs> did you? Okay, that brings me to an email I got from James H. He said, "Hey Scott, I enjoy the podcast, but would appreciate if you cut the f bombs. It's unnecessary to prove your point, and I imagine I'm not the only one who doesn't enjoy such abrasive language. I don't think you need it in order to keep your street cred, James. I would agree with you, James. I'm I will try my darndest mm. to nice to stop the f bombs. Nice I swerve right there. I yeah I know. I, I, so, agreed, and I apologize, because I don't think that... I think there are times and places for F-bombs, but perhaps in a controlled podcast, not the right place for that.
0: You know, um, James is a sensitive lad. I don't but know James. I'm, a, cut, I'm cut from the same cloth.
1: Yeah, I think I am, too. I want to be. I I you know, I cert, Yeah, I agree. Let me just say, I agree, and I'll do my best to not cuss. And it's not something I'm proud of.
0: Have you ever heard me... Curse? No, I don't think I have. It's not really part of my lexicon of vocabulary. You
1: know what? Cursing makes you sound like an idiot. Does it? I think. I think. I always tell my kids that. I'm like, look, if you want to sound unintelligent, use the F-bomb over and over and over again. Yeah.
0: See, I'm a huge fan of cursing from really, (laughs) really old people and really young people. That's when it's hilarious to me. but like luckily I don't fall into those categories (laughs) you're getting close you're getting close should I publish this photo on Instagram with your gray hair I'm young at heart my friend young at heart um yeah that's that's funny James I uh yeah see I I'm not sure that it's a sign of intelligence or not I just feel like there's oftentimes better choices of words that will I don't know um, be more descriptive and serve the purpose of what I'm trying to say a little bit more colorfully than a curse word. So I usually try to opt for something else, but I'm not saying I don't ever. You know,
1: Samuel L. Jackson curses a lot, right? He uses the F bomb a lot. Oh, and, time. and it's kind of like it, first of all, it loses some of its power. if sure. you Overuse it. Right. Sure. And I think it does. And I love Samuel L. Jackson. I guess if there's one guy that could get away with it. It's him because it's almost, you know, he uses it so much that it's almost part of his, Identity. Yeah. In a way. It's his brand. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure I want that as my brand. Samuel
0: F. Jackson (laughs) starring in Snakes on a Plane. Jacob
1: Atherley sends an email. He says, Hey Scott, why aren't you posting the new podcast on down the line Surf Talk Radio? I have to go through Surf Splendor now. Don't let the goofy haired wiener steal your gig and then call
0: it Surf News. It's already been stolen, buddy. (laughs) I
1: totally agree with you, Jacob. (laughs) And here's here, I'll give you some backstory. I switched over. For years, David was like, "Dude, how many listeners do you got?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I can't track them. I'm I'm a I'm a kook, basically. I'm an, I'm a technological idiot." And he goes, "Blah blah blah." Use Libsyn. So I switched over to Libsyn. And during the switch, somehow or another, I guess I messed up or Libsyn messed up. I don't know who messed up, but now it's worse than it ever was. Like, really? Yeah. And I've tried to reach out to support, and they're like, "Yeah, why did you do it this way? You should have done it this way." And I'm like, "Well, great. Why am I paying you? You know, like I was hoping somebody would kind of like take care of this, you know." And I've done something. I'm just going to say it's my fault. I've done something so that it doesn't. Here's the let me. So that's the backstory: is that something screwed up on my end on my on my RSS feed? My RSS feed goes to a URL that is basically doesn't exist. Like it is nothing. And the lips and people are like, We can't help you, it's too late. And I'm like, Great, you know? And I've tried to go to iTunes and tweak it and blah, blah, blah. Here's if if you want to get the real down the line surf talk radio without having it be called surf news and be rebranded or whatever, because I think that's wrong too.
0: What are you talking about?
1: Just what I said. I think it's wrong. I think Get it's da- here. I think it's down the line. Surf Talk Radio. I think you should respect the fact that it is this thing that you came into. Let's keep it branded the same thing instead of calling it Surf. I'm just saying. Look, you don't dude, have to that agree. That is with not me. how this started at all. I'm just saying you don't have to agree with me. I'm just saying it's been okay. down the line Surf News for ten years. Like, let's keep it the same. Like, why rebrand it into? I know. No, I agree with we you. Came in together. I'm the one that records all of it. I do. You do the hard work. I'm not. I'm just saying branding wise. Okay, let me get to my point, okay. and then we can argue. <laughs> we'll argue later. I can't believe you're even saying that. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've been harboring this. Now it's coming out. See what a cup of tea does? Just If it was coffee, I'd be dropping F-bombs. Um, you can go to, as David knows, you can go to boardroomshow.com and down the line surf, all of the down the line surf pods, the ones from way back when, 10 years ago, before David was in the picture.
0: Correct. That's
1: right. <laughs> I was trying to say, I thought you would bite on that. Anyway. Go there, boardroomshow.com, and there's a page with everything on it. And other than that, I guess I'm an idiot. I'm a technological geek.
0: Okay. Let me, let me oh, just give... No, no, no. Let's seriously have the We're discussion. We're to air this out? Let's air it out because... You got boxing gloves think- or... Not even about that. No, I'm um, just
1: kidding you, dude. I don't care.
0: But I do think that listeners have confusion about it as well, so it's good. See, the fact that you don't silence your phone is part of the reason, Scott. Come what, on. Part of the, oh. No, that's the charm. So, no, but I think it's that like listeners... An old guy. <laughs> How do I turn it I off? I think that listeners do have confusion about it. So, okay. let me just break it down real quick on what my side of the story is. Oh, God. Here we go. No interrupting either, Scott. Oh, sorry. Um, so, when you and I first linked up years ago, I, I had been wanting surf podcasts... And there was like a limited amount, obviously, of them out there. But yours was one of them that I tracked down. And I saw that you had gone through some different um, co-hosts and at that time didn't have one. And so you weren't publishing that regularly. There wasn't consistency to it. So I had just started Surf Splendor and I was doing profile pieces. And I wanted to do Surf News pieces, like regular updates on what was going on with contest wins. So I reached out to you and I was like, hey, dude, I want to do this. It looks like you're doing that. And these things might fit together. Do you want to give it a shot? And you're like, yeah. And it's like, well, how do we do we rebrand? What do we do? And it's like, well, let's both just record and then we'll publish separately. And then if it gets wings, we'll figure out what we want to do. Well, ultimately, we've never made any decision beyond that. We both started recording separately at the time, publishing separately. And it got to the point where you haven't been recording at all. I'm recording everything and then sending you the file. and We're both publishing separately still. So If we want to rebrand or whatever, I'm open to having that conversation, obviously. But at the same time, like um, you said, you've run into these technical issues. I haven't felt comfortable like, look, dude, if I'm going to give you the file and this is under your thing, but you're not able to technically support what we're doing. I'm apprehensive to go through that path. You know, so that's my only. What are you apprehensive about exactly? Like if it's not showing up on your iTunes, then listeners can't get it.
1: Right. But what's the apprehension?
0: listeners can't get the show
1: through the most right. But why that's just on me though. That's not on you. I mean, they can get it through surf splendor.
0: No, but if we rebranded it and it was all in your hands, if it's all down the line and they go to your iTunes and it's not uploaded. I
1: totally agree with what you're saying. Let me just say this. Um, We haven't ever had the discussion. I guess we're having it now. This wasn't planned. Obviously my feeling is, you're much more technically savvy than I am, obviously. And you've done a great job of branding Surf Splendor, by the way. But if we're going to announce the show as down the line, like when we come on we go, welcome, it's down the line Surf Talk. And then it's not called down the line Surf Talk on wherever it is, wherever it's distributed, then there's that can create confusion. Mm -hmm. So it's my hope that, that you and I can come to an agreement where it's called down the line Surf Talk wherever you get it. So that if you go to Surf Splendor, you're getting downline surf talk if you go wherever it's just called downline surf talk cuz that's really what this is right i mean that's how we introduce the show every week
0: well that's how you introduce the show but i think if we're going to do it together so you together-
1: want to rebrand it to Surf
0: News well i think if we're doing it together and i don't it doesn't need to be Surf News but i think if we're going to do it together then it should be rebranded as neither of our identity and like a brand new identity i think that would be the best move
1: because I other- think that you would lose – I think we're losing a lot of traction if we do that. Like we have years and years and years of, of the show called Down the Line Surf Talk.
0: And now – but I have – so my question would, to you would be or to the audience or whoever is, who's built a stronger brand identity at this point? Because if Surf Splendor yeah, has more know. listeners, then why would we – revert back to down the line. I know you have a no, lot of no, I'm more- not
1: saying to change Surf Splendor. I'm just saying within Surf Splendor, instead of it being called Surf News, like you've got Surf Splendor and that is all of these great interviews and then you also have Surf News. So I'm saying under the Surf Splendor Umbrella is these interviews, is down Down the line line. surf talk, and probably some other things that you've yet to be developed that you're going to develop on at some level. I'd
0: totally be open to that. I guess my thought was I didn't want to just take your name and start using it under the surf splendor moniker and like, hey, every other week I do down the line. Well, I think if
1: I wasn't such an idiot technologically, like if I wasn't having these problems, I thought I was going to resolve these problems with your insight into Libsyn and I failed. Yeah. And so, um, you know, at this point, you have the leverage. Basically, I don't. You know, I because more people are getting to it from Surf Splendor just because of of I'm, I've, I've literally like I've hammered away hours trying to figure out how to fix this thing through libs and support. I couldn't believe
0: how much money you spent when you told me what you'd cu- spent transitioning it. I was like, dude, I've never spent that much money with them.
1: Yeah, well, I wanted to. I mean, I yeah. So that's the other thing. I've got all. It's like it's it's driving me, it's driving me crazy to yeah. the point where I'm like. David needs to run this because I've screwed it to the point that yeah it's like I don't know. And, but but more than anything, I think my ego and my pride wants it to be called down the line because it's this thing that I built. Yeah, and and I'm just being honest with you that you know you you obviously can do whatever you want on your site, but I would love it if you would embrace with me the down the line surf podcast moniker. And as far as like ownership of that name or whatever, I'm I'm so totally willing to you know, for you and I to, to work together. Yeah. You know, like I'm not like, you know, lying in the, you know, like I'm not that tied to it. You know, I, like my feeling has always been sort of laissez faire. Like it's going to work out. Let's mm-hmm. just be good to each other about this. Let's not be, you know, dicks about it or what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and yeah. So and I, I'm not, I don't, I'm not willing to ruin our friendship over business. Let's put yeah. it that way.
0: Well, and there's very little business by the way. Very <laughs> little know, friendship. Like, <laughs> oh, that too. So, um, Yeah, I I guess what I want to communicate to you is like, I've not meant to subvert you in any way or like to take any sort of your brand in any sort of way. Like I felt the same way as you is like, hey, we just want to produce content for people to listen to and get it out there in the most convenient format for them to listen to, which obviously is just iTunes for them to be able to subscribe and get it on a weekly basis. So that's been only my my only effort through all of it so
1: well good so we just had a hug out and we've hugged it out
0: is that what that was i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i think listeners want to know like i've gotten message from listeners going like hey what's going on or why do you do it this way or not that way or whatever so i'm okay having the conversation so i guess the, to, to, to
1: summarize to. then um you can obviously get down the line podcast through boardroomshow.com you can obviously get it through surf splendor and a and I think, and I'm not going to speak for you, but I think you're going to start to brand it as down the line surf pod instead of surf news. Are you comfortable with that or no? It doesn't look like you are.
0: Um, I'm not uncomfortable. Again, are you comfortable? With I am.
1: That? Oh, no, I'm totally. A, I totally am.
0: Okay. I totally am. All right. What? <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Nothing. I'm just processing as we're, as we're talking feel like I'm getting lulled into something without fully Oh, uh, well, you commit- know, what? if you're not comfortable, thinking well, don't it. do it. I'm not Well, I'll uh- figure it out. Um, doing a quick hard pivot. I have a couple <laughs> of updates from our previous show. You mentioned the issue at San Onofre, The re Speaking of rebranding, let's rebrand Save Trestles into this new issue with yes. the nuclear power plant. I'm glad Santa you brought Nofri. this up. Yes. Um, you mentioned it on the show, which yeah, we had a wasn't, big discussion it wasn't the first time I had heard of it, but I had only seen it very, very briefly. I think maybe there was an article on Surfline prior to you mentioning it, but that was it. Yeah, We published this show in the afternoon. The very next morning, almost like in the middle of the night, we both had an email from Chad Nelson from Surfrider Foundation, the CEO of Surfrider Foundation. He goes, hey, guys, thanks for your discussion. Um, I thought it was a fair take on things, and I appreciate the call out uh, to – members, you know, for people to join Surfrider Foundation. Meanwhile, you can be assured that we are hardly working on a solid strategy uh, regarding the San Onofre situation, and it'll be available on our site soon. Yeah, And sure enough, they took a stance shortly thereafter, and then a bunch of other media outlets actually covered the topic as well.
1: Well, and did you see what the world's... Chris Morrow wrote some piece for the World Surf League, where he works. Did you see this, the WSL? No, I didn't. Yeah, so Chris Morrow followed up And basically said, hey, look, here's the WSL's take on this. And I'm reading it right now, but um, the dilemma. Here's what Chris said. There's a plan to bury over 3.5 million pounds of radioactive waste, spent fuel, less than 200 yards from the shoreline at San Onofre. Um, Edison, the company that owns the San Onofre, Edison is the Southern California Edison, is insisting that their solution is a safe one. Local watchdog groups are sounding alarms about the canisters that will hold the radioactive fuel, which has a half-life of 70,000 years. While the canisters are guaranteed for 25 years, <laughs>
0: it's insane.
1: The, can- the concrete structures that will be stored in are only good for 10 years. And if those structures fail, then the guarantee on the canisters is voided. Yet the California Coastal Commission unanimously approved the utilities com- company's plan to store these spent fuel rods right there at the beach at Trestle's. Uh, By the way, these containers are only half an inch thick. By contrast, most other countries use thick wall casks of 10 to 20 inches thick. Not only that, but the Coastal Commission has given Edison 20 years to come up with a plan for the canisters to be inspected, repaired, maintained, monitored, and transported without cracks. Um, Therein lies the problem. I'm trying to get to what the WSL's take on it is.
0: It seems like it's just an assessment of the situation more than anything.
1: Yeah, it is. It's um, not
0: like taking a stance.
1: He says here, Chris says that given Southern California Edison's history of bad predictions about safety and reliability, right. there's plenty of reason to be fearful. Yeah. And the backstory, I would suggest that you read this. Um, it's basically saying the risks are real. Um, you know, there's a lot going on. There's lawsuits. It's actually very well written. And it's. And sadly, I haven't read it, so I don't want to sit here and bore the listeners. But you should go to WorldSurfLeague.com and and find this uh, information that Chris Morrow wrote. It's a really good article. <clears throat> Chris does a good job, of course, the former editor of Surfer Magazine. And, of course, there's a call to action, what you guys can do, who you can call, how you can get involved. And um, and it's good stuff. Now, I would suggest to you that what's the biggest event of the year in Southern California from a surf standpoint besides the Boardroom International Surfboard Show? <laughs> <laughs> it is the Hurley, uh, Hurley Trestles Pro, right? Is that what it's called? The Hurley I don't
0: know. Tre- I mean, yeah, that's what it's called. But I would think the U.S. Open is bigger than that. No. I mean, for you and I, not, it's not. But for, like, every, for tourism and for well, people I mean, who if, attend if the you event. you even say the U.S.
1: Open, you might as well say Coachella. I mean, it's kind of like. You
0: said surf event.
1: Yeah, but I mean, isn't Coachella a surf event? Surfers are there. I mean, that's my point. It's like, isn't it all the same thing? It's just youth. It's no. the it's the youth. I mean, one industry. takes place in
0: the desert. One takes place in the ocean. I hear I hear the point you're making, but what I'm saying is, yeah, if you're what has more relevance to us, the Trestles event. Yeah, thing. the Trestles event yeah, is yeah, the yeah.
1: biggest surf event in Southern California. The U.S. Open is isn't really a surf industry event in my eyes. It's it's an event to highlight the um, you know, the youth industry, if you will. It's more than surf. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. There's concerts. There's blah blah blah. But the U.S. Open and the Hurley Pro, like this is an opportunity for Hurley and the WSL to kind of come out. And and they've made a stand on their website about what you can do. And I think they could, I mean, it would be refreshing to see them kind of go, hey, we're against this. And this is what we're doing at our event to, you know, yeah. explain our frustration. right? What that is, what that activation looks like, I don't know, you know. Yeah, uh, but there's ample opportunity for the WSL and surfers and and peop- lovers of the Southern California beach to go. Hey, Daryl Issa, Dana Rohrbacher, all these people. Senator Feinstein, Senator Kamala Harris. You know. Hurley, the WSL, and surfers around the world are making a stand against this right now. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, it would probably get a lot more eyeballs on the Hurley Pro if they did something cool and classy, and you know, did it the right way. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that means like whatever a flyby of of airplanes that are carrying signs, or I don't know what it is, but yeah, maybe maybe all this everybody on the beach um, puts on a red hat. Or something, or you know, I don't know. But something powerful needs to be done so that that we get our point across. Yeah. That that this is this is way more important than the toll road. Like this is a million times more important than the toll road. And like I said, you know, save Trestles needs a question mark. It used to be save Trestles with an exclamation mark. And my opinion, it's save Trestles with a question mark. Until this is resolved, Trestles and and the rest of Southern California, for that matter. Um. Is under a sort of a dark cloud of nuclear spent fuel rods.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I heard Kelly Slater talking recently about Fukushima and how, like, nobody's even discussing that situation anymore. And the fallout is so vast and sustained and it'll go on forever and ever. And he's like, even the machines that are going down to, like, treat things and search for whatever was lost are melting the machinery itself because of the radiation and higher. Incidents of radiation in, like, farms in Iowa and things like that all tr- uh, tracked back to the Fukushima fallout. So this stuff has long-term serious, serious detrimental effect on the environment, our well-being, our children's well-being, all that sort of stuff. It's really crazy. Yeah. So we can't let it happen again in our own backyard, obviously. No. And, you know, so anyway, yeah. I, um, yeah. One other Conversation that we need to follow up on that we were talking about last time was Alex Gray and his boards being broken by American Airlines. Apparently, they have acquiesced to the internet's demands and they paid out Alex $3,500 in reimbursement for board bag fees and also the boards themselves.
1: Oh, good. I wonder if they did some internal investigation. Those boards look like they were run over and somebody was laughing while they were doing it. That's kind of what it looks like. Yeah,
0: that was crazy. Yeah, that's too bad. So, that's that. You have any other follow up, or do you want to get into the proper meat and potatoes of the show?
1: I don't have any follow up that I think of right cool. now, but you
0: no. Know. Well, there's a number of things that have happened since you and I last met. Um, Bell's Beach was kind of the main.
1: Can I just say that the last three WSL events have been spectacular and been really fun to watch, and they've done a really good job. Like, okay. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I do. Yeah, and and I'd also like to say that you and I discussed. Last time you know we I got a hold of the headhunter copy for the CEO of the WSL, and the one thing was many there was a couple of fun things to talk about, but one of them was sub- premium subscription service and what that looks like and you and I discussed would we pay an X amount per year to watch it and we both agreed you know what we would now publicly you know in a parking lot we might there's going to be a lot of people that say no way i'm over it i'm never going to watch, but those are the same people that in you know the dark shadows of their home office, they're probably going to pay and watch. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest to you, just based on nothing scientific, just you and me <clears throat> and my gut feeling, um, that a lot of people would do that. A lot of people would pay a premium price to watch. And if it's $10 a year and they've no, got...
0: We agreed on $60, 60 bucks right. is what we're comfortable with. Right.
1: $60 is totally... That's killer. For the year. Yeah, because that's what Surfline's... To watch
0: the events live in the same way you would watch a pay-per-view live. Right. Yeah.
1: Now, the question is, can you watch the Heat Analyzer the next day for free? Those are all things that the WSL team needs to figure out. Um, Let me...
0: Yeah. Before you continue on. Yeah. This is why I would be willing to pay for it. During the Bells event, when John John did the alley-oop against Mick Fanning. I think it was round three, maybe? Oh, my God. Or round five? That was... So, watching that heat unfold... And being able to see that live is worth the price of admission, where you're in the moment. You have no idea if John John needs a score. He's the world champ. He's got the most innovation of anybody on tour, surfing against the most traditional surfer on tour at a very traditional wave. And I'm watching it going, How's John going to come up with this score? And then he gets a wave and he goes into the air and the wind flutters his board under his feet. You think he's going to fall? He stomps it and you're just like, Oh my gosh. What's the score going to be? Living with that level of anticipation and anxiety and excitement is worth the price of admission. I don't feel like seeing that alley-oop the next day on the internet has any of the same impact. It has very, very small degree of the same impact.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with That's that. That's what I'm paying. I for. totally agree with that. And 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 I I asked some people. I asked a random some random people if they would pay, and they all said, yeah, they would. And it was sort of under this caveat. It's sort of like when the San Diego Chargers left San Diego and they went to L.A. The owners picked up the NFL team and moved them. And within San Diego, there was this real, um, you know, the first stage of grief was, hell no, I'll never watch the Chargers. I'm over them. They're lame. And now we're something like five or six months into the process. And we've all gone through some of the grieving moments, uh, you know, the different stages of grief. And we're at a point now where the NFL um, draft is today and people that are fans of the Chargers have to really start to kind of look at themselves and go, am I still going to be a fan? Do, do, Do I still feel the way I did the day that the carpet was ripped out from underneath me? And the overwhelming sense is more people are kind of like, yeah, you know what? Why not? They're still my team. You know, yeah, I don't like the ownership, but the ownership could probably change and blah, blah, blah. And that's sort of the feeling I'm getting when I talk to people about paying for the WSL. You immediately, you get a lot of no way will I ever watch the WSL or give them a dime, you know? And it's that sort of grumpy, like first stage of grief, like anger, basically. But. You start to talk to them for 15 minutes and before you know it they're like yeah I probably would pay because you know I tell them well you mean you're not going to watch you don't want to watch the Fiji event unfold you don't want to watch Chopu event unfold you don't want to watch the Pipe Masters unfold and oh by the way some of the events that I thought like for instance I used to sort of write off bells like oh god it's kind of boring why well okay can they get two or three hits on the outside and then finish the wave with the hit on the inside and fair frankly that did get kind of boring it was kind of NSSA, three to the beach, length of ride, finish the ride, and you get a score. But what's happened with this aerial movement that's evolved to a point that it's, they're doing, John John's doing, and Gabriel, and a lot of these guys are doing stuff on the outside that's pretty incredible. And guys are turning heats based on one move rather than, okay, here we go. Did he do his three turns and did he finish on the inside? Okay, we'll give him a 7.97. Now we're getting one maneuver two maneuver rides that are 993 it changes the the vibe excitement. the excitement level of watching that event now. Yeah. And so point is I think people are willing to pay and I I'm totally just ch- I'm just telling the WSL that that's our gut feeling. And I know that David and I would pay and everybody I've talked to would pay, and is it because I'm I travel in circles of surf fans, probably, you know, and I'm sure there's the salty guy that's like I, I never pay for surf line either, and you know, I've got a black beaver tail and a pintail, and I surf, you know, what you know, so I'm sure there's going to be some salty guys that aren't into it, mm-hmm. but they yeah. weren't. Those are the guys that weren't into it anyway.
0: Right? Yeah i I have a feeling that whatever percentage says that they will pay might actually be enough. To where they would generate more income from that core list follower, you know, than they would from selling advertisement anyway, and then the people who say that they don't probably will jump on board at some point anyways. So I think it would probably be. Now Something the interesting thing processing. is how do
1: you how do you begin to present that to the viewing public? Right, that is like that because um, you're gonna needly, you're gonna get some vitriol, you're gonna get some back, you're gonna get a lot of negative PR on you know just internet haters that are gonna go crazy over this. Yeah. and again they're the ones that probably never watch anyway. Yeah. but they're gonna be the vocal minority, and so you know how you massage the release of this information is uh, is you know that's that's the. That's why you have I, PR people.
0: I think the smartest move from their standpoint would be to, like, hire, let's say, like, the most um, thoughtful podcasters in the surf sphere to talk about it in a glowing manner. And, wow. <laughs> they don't have to hire us. We just did. And, uh, yeah, just, like, send those checks to Scott and David.
1: I think that what they what they need to do instead of trying to spin it is just be brutally honest. Just be like, hey, you know what? We're going to go out of business unless we change our model. hmm you guys love surfing we love surfing everyone loves the surf tour if you love the surf tour you'll be with us on this if you're not we understand we hate to see you go we wish you the best we hope you come back to us But these are the facts. Like, this is the way it Yeah, is. You're the same people that were going, oh my God, they're spending so much money. How are they monetizing this? Well, guess what? You were right. And now we are going to monetize it. And here we go. Now, that might be, excuse me, that might be a little bit harsh in my tone, but you get the idea. I think brutal or rigorous honesty here in this case would be a smooth way to do it, you know? Because people are so overspin. Like, everyone knows, everyone reads between the lines.
0: Interestingly, I just went through this in exact, I don't know, cycle of thought and psychology <clears throat> regarding Spotify. Like I've used Spotify for free since yeah. its inception yeah. and everybody around me is like, dude, it's 10 bucks a month, just pay it and then you can play whatever song you want rather than it shuffling your playlists or whatever and making you listen to commercials. And what's happened is I think they obviously have algorithms that track how many hours you listen to their service. And the more you listen, the more commercials they start playing. And it just becomes increasingly annoying. I
1: I stopped listening because of this.
0: But you didn't pay the I never paid. No, I never paid. Okay, see, I gave in. A week ago, I think it was what, I was celebrating something and I was hosting a a part. Oh, it was Easter. I was hosting Easter and like families coming over and I'm like, I cannot sit through one more Spotify commercial through today's festivities. So that morning I just like paid the 10 bucks. I've never been happier. It's the best 10 bucks I've ever spent. It's so well spent, you know? And like again, ten bucks to in Southern California, as expensive as it as it is to live here, ten bucks is nominal. You know, it's like it's nothing. Like I'm not gonna notice the ten bucks missing every you month. You know
1: what my problem is with the ten bucks subscription deal Is that you
0: got it for free forever? No, it's
1: that I all of a sudden I have like thirty of these. Of course. And all of a sudden I'm looking at my bills and I'm getting dinged every which way. It's like everything, you know what I mean? And so that's my problem, is that I don't mind the 10 bucks. It's when I look at it and I go, oh my God, I'm spending 130 bucks every month on services I don't really use as much as I'd like to.
0: Or that there's a free version of, if you can just listen to it.
1: Like Sirius XM. Like, I pay for Sirius XM. Why don't I just stream that on my computer?
0: Well, that would be one or the other. You either have Sirius or you have Spotify.
1: Well, I have Sirius in my car. Does Spotify come in your car? Through
0: Bluetooth. Oh, okay. Your yeah. car's got Bluetooth for sure.
1: Yeah. It's new enough. Also, but, and does Spotify have... Podcasts and talk radio and, and all that stuff
0: no but itunes does and that's all free
1: yeah but doesn't it cost to stream it <laughs> no the data
0: oh, i mean i get enough data where I mean you have it
1: on your hard drive on your phone on you, my phone yeah okay
0: like i down i listen to all the podcasts and audiobooks i want without ever going over my data anyways um i for me the Spotify thing, I'm happy paying it at this point. You know, it yeah. took me, I was the latest adapter out of all my friends. Yeah. And I'm happy to have done it eventually.
1: I used to use it a lot, and then I was like you, I was getting too many commercials, and I was over it.
0: Dude, the commercials, and they play the same exact ones, so they just annoy. It's just Geico the crap or
1: progressive. It's <laughs> some auto insurance. It's the worst. It is.
0: Anyways, let's talk about Bell's Beach a little bit. I just did. I said, <laughs> no, um, go ahead. Well there's a number of storylines that I'd like to touch on and then you can jump in with any that you want that um, you think are worth teasing apart. Long and the short of it is Jordy and Ky- Jordy took down Kyle Belly in the final. Courtney Conlog beat Stephanie Gilmore in the final. I want to say a word about Jordy because you and I have said, you know, he's one of the most talented surfers to not actually win the title yet. He finished second last year. Does he look positioned this year? I'm going to say in the first couple of events, I wasn't too convinced in this event that he won. He didn't win it convincingly, but he won it looking really tame and mild and and it made me kind of remember Kelly Slater in previous years that he won where he's got his sights actually on the end of the year. He's not coming out with a huge bang. He's coming out with this kind of goal that's long term, feeling like, look, if I lose one heat here, or one heat there, I'm not too worried about it. I'm confident enough in my surfing that I don't need to blow minds right now. I can just do my thing, put Push through, guys, blow the tail when I need to. Um, and I will turn it up a notch when it gets to that point in the event or certainly that point in the season. And I'm not even gonna get flustered by my losses. He just seemed to have a certain mild manneredness to him that I thought was actually indicative of a maturity, I guess, that I haven't seen in him before. I used to see a volatility. Now I see him with a confidence and a maturity that I hadn't seen before that makes me think he's more well-positioned for a world title. Seems to have his eye on the prize, the end prize.
1: I think we have to wait and see on that, right? Because I would agree with everything you're saying, but I'm also hesitant to say he's matured to a level where he's ready to win a world title because what I need to see from Jordy is a big-time loss and and see a comeback from that. Now you could argue we've already had that, you know, in these three first three events, and he proved that he came back from it with a win at Bell's, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm still I've just seen too much of that volatility that you speak of
0: in past years. Yeah, in asked. past. So yeah. I
1: need I'm, I'm
0: I'm not willing to bet the house on Jordy. I'm not willing to bet the house. I'm just seeing these early signs that I'm kind of clueing in on. Right. We have know? to wait
1: and see then is what you're saying. It suggesting.
0: does take time. Whereas like John John, on the other hand, has come out with a bang. Like we haven't actually seen a world title holder come into their second season, like their um, you know, defending season with as much power as John John has. Like in the last five years from Joel Parkinson in 2012. Where has he been since then? You know, Adriana de Souza, Gabriel Medina. Um, who else am I? Mick Fanning. In that amount of time, like nobody has come through and then made a threat on the following year. So John John has. He's come through and he's won. And, did he win, Margaret? I can't remember at this point. Oh my god, you sound like me. You don't um, even remember? I think he won Margaret. Yeah, he won Margaret. But he's <laughs> he's in first position yeah. still after the third event. So John John's making a clear run for the world title. Now, you and I
1: mentioned Jordy Colohe, Julian, and one other guy that Jordy. Oh. Jordy Colohe, Julian, and was it Felipe?
0: No, we only mentioned three. Was just three? three? Yeah.
1: Those three guys are in position. They're at the Prime of their careers, you would even argue Jordy's almost long in tooth. They have to strike while the fire's hot. Pardon the cliche. After three events, Julian has really got to be the guy that you're looking at and going, "Oh my God, is he falling off the? Is he falling off the edge of the earth here?
0: What, is he in twenty second? Like, yeah, he's way down up. the pack. Yeah,
1: he has not had a good Australia. Yeah, and Kolohe and Jordy
0: both pretty, looking pretty good." Completely, yeah. Jordy's in second place. So if so Kolohe and Jordy, Kolohe's in fifth. They're
1: both primed to win a world title. Yeah. After three events, right? Yeah. So now we're going into the next leg. Brazil's kind of an interesting... It's almost like a standalone. And then they go to the South Pacific for two events, right? And mm-hmm. then to J-Bay. So, I guess those two of those three have... Yeah. with. Did the first round of attack, so mm-hmm. to speak.
0: My money was on Julian. <laughs> I know. The I, I, of the think, I think I was. In, I, and I he's in sixteenth. By the Kilohe, way,
1: Kalohay looks solid, and Jordy looks obviously looks solid. So um, Kalohay maybe a little bit more consistent.
0: Yeah, I mean his results don't show up, but I would agree he looks really good. Um, the other couple of storylines that emerged: Federico Morais is unexpectedly becoming a favorite of mine. Like the guy is so solid. I think I've been apprehensive about him just because I think his style is too straight legged and there's just something robotic about it that I don't love. Well, all those
1: tall guys have that sort of bead
0: sort of that, like it's It's almost just
1: too tall to, to do all the really cool things that you see normal five foot four guys do because most of the tour is five foot four.
0: Yeah, Slater's 5'9", nine. I think he's the tall
1: guy yeah. on tour. You know, I yeah. mean, I know there's some big guys going no, but- right, but most of those guys are super tiny.
0: But he is—he's just so freaking consistent. And he goes and he surfs big conditions like Bells and Sunset and Holiva during the Triple Crown. He made the finals of both those events this last year, and he just doesn't back down he goes into sections that guys kick out of or back away from even big guys back away from he goes straight into it gets smacked down and rides out of it and then makes the section and you're like what the heck it's really really impressive so i like federico Moraes. another thing that was funny that happened is during that mick fanning and john john florence heat you texted me when john john landed that alley oop you go this is the changing of the guard. We just witnessed a real hallmark of a changing of the guard where Mick Fanning is doing his wraps and his very traditional bell surfing. Mick Fanning
1: is doing as good a surfing as he can possibly do. He was shredding. Totally.
0: And in that style of surfing, as good as can be done on a surfboard. Like, yeah. That's the pinnacle of it. Yeah, And John John just did better by doing something completely different and radical that we haven't yet seen done at Bells. So you go... You said to me in that text, you're like, hey, this is the changing of the guard. We just witnessed it. And I go, and my reply to you is like, hey, you know what's even sadder is that Kelly Slater's watching it. From his computer because he <laughs> lost three days ago. Like, yeah, but, it's sad
1: enough that but Kelly can do those errors or at least attempt he, he them and maybe them, make them. He could
0: do them a lot. I think what I said is Mick Fanning's and?
1: career is over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right. over. It's officially over. It's like,
0: over because he can't do it. And I'm like, yeah, but Kelly's not even participating in it right. anymore. Yeah, Kelly but Kelly's lost 44, Mick's 34. Yeah, I mean, true, true. But I think to your point as well, is Kelly's more positioned to do that air than Mick is. Kelly's more likely to be able to compete with John on that level. Right. But the reality is, like in terms of innovation, he is, but the reality is in terms of competitiveness or maybe commitment to the tour, maybe he's not. And that's indicative by the fact that he's watching it from home right now. Like, yes, we've seen the changing of the guard and our... Guard isn't even there holding guard anymore. You know, like that's what's saddest to me.
1: Well, I think Mick Fanning, in in that analogy, Mick Fanning was the guard. Like he was surfing so insane in that heat. Remember, he picked off the first two or three huge waves. He was just—he got nines. You're like, Like, yeah, crap, he's over. Yeah, he's over. John, John he absolutely killed it. I mean, Mick Fanning surfed in a manner that, if I even, if any of us even could do half of one of those turns, we'd be,
0: you know but he was shut down by john john florence he went from comboing john john to being comboed by john john
1: and i think what i said is mcfanning just became taylor knox or something like that like here's this ultimate power surfer who just has got great style everything is insane about him but he's not going to be able to compete at the level that this new progression is at yeah and yeah it's a little bit sad you know
0: yeah i know and it's like yeah you expect to see that happen at um, trestles, maybe, or certainly Brazil, high performance waves, but you don't expect to see it happen at Bell's. No. And if it can happen at Bell's, it can happen at J. That's Bay. what made
1: Bell's sort of exciting again.
0: Yeah, totally. It's what made John John's surfing exciting at Margaret, too, was his progression and innovation, but he applied it there on the rail. Anyway, super exciting. Um, one other storyline Glendon Ringrose. What the heck?
1: That's not a storyline.
0: That's a wild card. Are you kidding? That is the best storyline mm. in the event. Why? Film he's a in. cancer survivor. Okay. Who is 40. Where did you learn I, that? Was,
1: I didn't know he was a cancer. They talked
0: about it at length through right. the broadcast. I turned so, those guys off. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He's a I cancer survivor in recent years. I think it was testicular cancer. Oh, wow. And he's fully in remission. He runs the rescue team at Bells and at Snapper and at Fiji. He used to be a world tour surfer, but he's... 45, he's get years old. It's
1: only a story if he gets through to the fourth round or
0: something. No, no, no. It's a story because he won the trials event over everybody else, the hot young up-and-comers. He didn't get gifted this spot No, in I the agree. Event. I'm not doubting that. Dude, I mean, the guy- I'm
1: not doubting he's a world-class surfer. I'm just saying that that story has way more legs if he's on into the event, deep, at, like middle of the road into the event.
0: It has more legs at that point, but it's not a non-story because he didn't. The fact that he's surfing against Jordy in the event, who went on to win the event in round one, he was surfing against John John. You have a twenty-year separation between these guys. A former World Tour surfer who's gone through yeah. retirement, no I'm, look. cancer, acquiesced his entire like pro surf career. Goes and does the trials, wins the thing in really, really challenging conditions, which is why he probably won. He was most well suited in those conditions, and then he's surfing against the world title. That's a great story. It is phenomenal story. So shout out to Glendon. Here's the other thing that we good story. Here's the other thing we need to discuss: the non-interference.
1: Oh my God, Zeke Lau.
0: Yeah, that was such that <laughs> you know, that's such the good excitement for this. That, no, that was such good drama. So that was such unreal drama. So Zeke Lau. Uh, gets an interference called. He was winning the heat handily in round four. He gets an interference called on him in the closing second of the heat on him on Felipe, which meant that Zeke was going to lose the heat, Felipe, even though he like won in terms of scores. And it was all due to him taking off on a wave. He had priority. Felipe takes off on a wave, so in theory, Zeke could have taken off on that wave, but the buzzer sounded...
1: After signifying Felipe,
0: the end of the heat signifying. The, and then Zeke so the, stood up thinking right. he had priority, which he didn't because the heat's over and then took off on Felipe. Judges called it an interference. Well, when you look at the replay, it looks like he stood up before the buzzer, which in fact he did in reality, but they called the interference against him. Zeke contested it. And then they went and reviewed the tape and then reversed the decision saying, Oh, you're right. You stood up before the buzzer. well, <laughs> everything got sorted out in the wash. It was all fine in the end. But the question for you and I to discuss is Richie Porta came on the air and said, we reviewed the tape and he stood up after the buzzer. And that was because Richie Porter was reviewing a separate tape that wasn't synced with the sound in real time. You and I as the viewers and the commentators, everything that's going out on the webcast was in real time. And it was obvious that Zeke stood up. Prior to the buzzer, apparently the judges have a separate feed that isn't synced.
1: You know what my conspiracy brain thought of? Tell me. Eddie Rothman called those guys up and said, "What the fuck? Don't. Oops, sorry, I dropped yeah. an F. Mom. What Eddie, the heck? Eddie Rothman called up and said, "Do not yeah. come to Hawaii this year unless you re- overturn this rule." Yeah. Now that's just. You know, I'm just joking. I thought that, that, but that was what came to my head all of a sudden. Twenty minutes later, they
0: but I think that reverse the Ve- call and Beach Grid. I think published the story that was like, did Zeke pull a Sunny? Because Sonny would go up in the old days and like yeah. shout at the judges yeah. and you know. I don't think Zeke him. did that. No, he didn't do and, that.
1: And I and I've, to me, one of the greatest parts of this drama that unfolded was Peter Mel. Making a call in the booth right away, like, I love that, mm-hmm. you know, like, that needs to happen more. Like, just, look, this is what I saw. This is honestly how I feel about this. I'm just the color commentary guy. I'm not the judges. I don't make the final call. But in my opinion, Zeke was good. It yeah. was all good. And that's was- the kind of thing that needs to continue. That's Because that's what everyone else is thinking. You just got to, the color guy has to look at it from the standpoint of you and I watching it at home, you know.
0: free that's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free terms and conditions apply what the hell though like i know good why, drama no but why would the judges have a separate feed than what we have do they have better angles than we have and if not if they do then why can't we have those angles like i don't understand well, this is where
1: the conspiracy where the phone call from eddie rothman it, <laughs> comes in. isn't it bizarre it is a little like bizarre. why
0: are they and then they and then also like are they not watching it live? Because if you're watching it live and you clearly can hear the buzzer, the horn, and you're watching Zeke stand up, like there was no call to even be made. It was obvious that he stood up before. So when they go to review the tape, why is that diff- not synced in real well, time? Well, the
1: interesting thing is, and I think there's some truth to this, is you know, how sound travels. You know, and so when the buzzer goes zero and they go, OK, push the button, you know, there is probably a half a second. Between the time it goes to zero and that surfer in the water hears the sound. Right. And I bet that he stood up after it went to zero, but before he heard the horn. And I think that's where they really got into some nitty gritty and combed through it and went, you know what? We got to do the right thing here. You know, if if it's if the onus is on us to make the horn sound and be heard at with him when it goes exactly to zero, then we have to push the button on the horn just a little before it actually goes to zero, and we didn't do that. And so, and so I'm sure these are some of the conversations, and I'm just assuming, I'm not sure, but I bet this is the type of conversation that went down during those 20 minutes when there was discussion about this.
0: Yeah, that, to be honest, to me, is moot, because... The, where the the place that the camera is positioned is not in the water away from the sound of the horn. The camera and the horn are near one another, so there's no variation. There's no lag time there. The camera's recording Zeke standing up at the moment that the horn is sounded, and Zeke stood up before the moment that the so- horn was sounded. I'm just saying
1: that... the the time it takes for the sound to reach yeah. Zeke is probably right around a half a second.
0: Agreed. But Zeke stood up before the horn even sounded.
1: Oh, yeah. No, no. I agree. I I, I think he's good. I'm not... Yeah. I'm not a, and by the way, the way he handled it was great. I uh, thought so,
0: too. Because there, there was a
1: little bit of angst, and there deserves to be. You know, it's, it's a highly competitive situation. And um, and it just stunk. Like, if it wouldn't, it, it would it would have really hung over the event. Mm-hmm. In a negative way, if they didn't just do the right thing, and the feeling is overwhelmingly is that you know what they did get it right. Now Richie Porta coming on and be- and you know right away and backing up his decision and then changing it. That's it was just that's a little problematic. It but. was
0: weird that he blamed it on a technical error when all of us are viewing one version of something that was so egregious, and then him going, oh no no, we're viewing this other version that has a technical error in it. We're like, dude, you guys. Are the judges you guys are the final uh, decision makers? Why do you have an inferior version to what we have, and why aren 't you just watching our version, or if you have a supposedly better version then why aren 't we watching what you 're watching like it was just
1: bizarre, I think maybe there was a little fudging going on there, like yeah. that 's just like basically what they needed to say was we blew it yeah, we kind of blew it yeah. you know, and they instead they went, well, there were some technical things and blah blah, and we have this version, and then there 's another version, and it If I wasn't so busy investigating Trump and Russia, I would look into this a little deeper.
0: I will say, I do like that they're having Richie Porta on to discuss these things. Like in the past, um, these discussions weren't even available to us. And it was just strictly us complaining and the internet complaining. So it's good that they're now trying to create transparency. And in their transparency, they're making errors that we're now complaining about. We're basically going to complain no matter what they do. But, (laughs) you know, but so I want to acknowledge that they're at least... Making it available to us. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so getting off the bells and the WSL thing, um, I don't think enough people found this, but a couple of nights ago, Kelly Slater posted an Instagram story with him recording a podcast with somebody, and I immediately got jealous. Sure. I was like, what the heck? Kelly? Recording a Who is this podcaster, and how did they get Kelly? We need Kelly on the show, right? Yeah. Well- this podcast was kind of the best thing I've ever listened to from Kelly Slater yeah it's called the Traveling Health and Wellness Podcast Mm -hmm. you can find it on iTunes you might not be able to find it by searching that title because he misspelled the word traveling the owner of this podcast misspelled the word there's somebody that's worse at this than me exactly (laughs) rejoice Uh, so he put two L's in the word word traveling I was able to find it just by searching Kelly Slater um unless maybe like it's a, a proper English versus American English thing, like,
1: Oh yeah, there's that. Maybe, maybe, maybe spell.
0: in Australia, they use two L's in the word traveling. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> um, the owner is one Shannon Brenton and he's kind of a health and wellness expert, I suppose. And he has Kelly on the show to discuss health and wellness and his, um, athleticism and all that sort of thing. It's about an hour and 45 minutes long. And Kelly, he's so calm and he's so Zen but And he's, he's actually speaking very quietly in terms of volume, mm-hmm. but very, very openly throughout the entire thing, talking about his shortcomings as a father, talking about a lot of the fallout of his parents' divorce and how that's affected Kelly, talking about an incident being um, held underwater by an older kid in a swimming pool when he was eight years old that had detrimental effects on the way that he um, had anxiety in the ocean throughout his life and a, a specific incident surfing an in outer reef with the Malloys and Shane Dorian in the 90s where he overcame that and had like this epiphany of being held underwater when he was a kid and having to face that fear and getting over that and how that's opened up his life afterward It's it was compelling and I felt like I became personal friends with Kelly just by listening to it it was really really radical
1: well we'll have to get that up on the on the site. Yeah. Um, because we know that he's always, that he can be, you know, very forthcoming. And it sounds like this is maybe his opus regarding that. So, looks forward to listening to that.
0: It was crazy. And it was recorded during the Margaret River event after Kelly had lost. So, we had a lot of time. And they were recording in the middle of the night because at one point the interviewer goes, Hey, you know, we're five minutes away from midnight. So in the sake of wrapping up and Kelly's like, this was an hour and 30 minutes into the show. And Kelly's like, no, it's all good. I got nowhere to go. And the guy's like, well, I'm exhausted. So let's wrap this up. And Kelly's like, "Eh, whatever you want, it's up to you. I was just amazed at how Kelly was just giving the guy everything more than what the guy was asking. Kelly was opening and pouring up. So I'm, I'll have a link to it on surf splendor com. Um, one side note, actually, that Kelly talked about was they were talking about the wave pools and Kelly said, you know, one of the first people that I had come surf it with me was Kanoa Igarashi, Japanese surfer. And No, no. Kenoa is an American. He's going to surf for Japan in the Olympics in 2020. Oh, and he by was, the way. He I, was born in Japan.
1: Let me know when you want me to kick into my Olympic surfing take.
0: Okay. After this will segue into it. So he was saying, like, Kanoa was there, and he caught his first wave. And after he kicked out, I looked over, and Kanoa's dad was at the side of the pool crying. Because this was a culmination of, like, he brought his kid to America to become a professional surfer. His kids achieved that goal, qualified for the world tour, is now surfing in a wave pool with Kelly Slater, the greatest surfer of all time. He's going to surf in the 2020 Olympics for the nation of Japan, they potentially will have wave pools in the Olympics in the future. Like all this came together for Kanoa's dad and he's crying on the side of the wave pool. And Kelly's like, it brought me to tears, you know, that that's pretty cool. Yeah. It was such a heartwarming story. And like, um, I, I, not to name drop or anything, but like, You know, I live in Huntington Beach and like I've spent a lot of time with Kanoa and I know his dad as well. And I actually surfed with Kanoa this past weekend and caught up with him for the first time since he's qualified for tour. Um, So there was a personal element for me involved with the story. I thought it was really, really radical. And those are the kind of stories that came out on this podcast. So I've
1: surfed against his dad. No. (laughs) Here's the deal. So when my son was five years old, Kanoa was like four or something, right? Yeah. And and we're in the Rob Machado surf contest for kids you know down in Cardiff right and and we're in the 4 and 5 year old division so all the parents are like in knee deep water and i'm pushing my son into waves and he's like barely standing up and just grinding his fins onto the sand you know like we're in ankle deep water Kanoa and his dad are 300 yards outside Kanoa's dad's swimming with him out there with fins on and pushing little Kanoa who's like the size of, like, Ted in that movie. And he's catching waves and like riding him for hundreds of yards all the way to the beach and then paddling back out with his dad Smoking and the rest. Everybody. Oh yeah. The rest of us are like, dude, this is over the, like, you know, we were all, you know, I guess we were all sort of bombed. We're like, that's not fair,
0: man. Blah blah blah. my kid,
1: I thought my kid was better than your kid, but this kid's
0: way gnarlier. You It's embarrassing to like have heavy. that level of commitment sometimes because <laughs> you want to just like take it easy and be cool. But that's what it takes to get to that elite level. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I, to his credit, it wasn't like he was... It doesn't look like Kanoa wasn't stoked. Like, there's some football, baseball dads that are pushing their kids to a place where it's just going to go... Um, who's, the, you know, Marinovich, Todd Marinovich on you and just, like, blow up in your face, but... Yeah,
0: and the kid doesn't want to be there in the first place. Yeah,
1: yeah. there's major issues between the father and the son, but that didn't seem to be the case. I mean, Kanoa was stoked, and, and there is that... And I don't know if this is going to come off as... <laughs> it might come off a little weird, but it seems like the culture of Japan has this real hard work ethic. And it no seems question. like Kanoa has that hard work ethic and he doesn't have a problem with it. It's like, you know, we're going to start working hard at the age of four to yeah. get to this place. And it's not like a big deal. It's no. like, hey, that's what we do. We're Japanese. We work our asses off. And look, we get we're rewarded because of it.
0: When you look at, Japan as a nation being um, decimated after World War II.
1: You're racist.
0: And the way that they have rebuilt their economy and culture or, um, you know, uh, country since then, where they're leaders in technology and efficiency and all, it's remarkable. Like, it is an example that we can follow without a doubt. The bullet trains, like all of it, you know, it's insane. Well, I mean,
1: look, the U.S. had a big part in that after World War II. Marshall
0: yeah. Plan? Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying we didn't, but like their level of efficiency and productivity that they've generated in the last 50, 60 years is, oh, yeah. no, is the leading the They, leading they took what was given the to
1: them and they dominated with it. Yeah. No they, question yeah, about it. And absolutely. It, it, it
0: translates to the athletes and to academics and all that sort of thing, which is what you're saying in terms of the athlete.
1: So f- I went I went to the Friends of Olympic Surfing Suarez at Fernando's house.
0: Oh, did you really? Yeah
1: it's a cool little thing he just kind of every year he brings people there and he summarizes what happened in the last year and and there's a call to action if you want to help help however you can donate or give some time or whatever but he always gives some insight into what's happening with Olympic surfing right
0: so it's like a formal event yeah presentation yeah okay
1: and um, and you know there's there's surf industry people there that's what it is. It's the friends of Olympic surfing. You know, it's people that have donated money to this cause for, since the beginning. And frankly, they're all there and they're celebrating Fernando as they should because this guy is the driving force behind why we're in Japan in 2024. Like It's mind-blowing. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago at this event, Fernando was even – no, it's 2020. And Fernando was saying, hey – looks like 2024 could happen. And then all of a sudden they backdoored their way into the 2020 Olympics in Japan for a number of reasons, which I can get into later if you're interested. But basically the Olympic committee, international Olympic committee was like, we got to get rid of some of these lame sports and we got to get sports that kids are into. And so that's how surfing and skateboarding backdoored their way into 2020 is that they got rid of some sports or they're trying to get rid of some sports and they're putting sports in that are more youth oriented. So anyway, so, here's what I learned. First of all, the um, Hawaii will not be a nation-state separate. It's just the USA surf team. Okay. So, wh- whatever that means. If it's John-John. But the qualifying is going to take place and has to take place. In other words, you would think... That you could just go, okay, who are the two best Americans on the WSL ranking in 2019, at the end of 2019? And those will be our 2020. That's how we will qualify. We'll just take the two best. We'll take Kalohe and John John, for instance, at this point, perhaps. But no, you have to actually go through the International Olympic Committee's qualifying procedure. So there's qualifying that begins two years prior. So in 2018, the qualifying process for the United States Olympic team will take place will begin to take place um there will not be a wave pool at obviously in japan it's too early and frankly what i took away from the meeting was while they hope that there's great waves and all that this is more about creating a scene on the on the at the event site for surfing that is the coolest event site so that everybody in the Olympic village wants to go down to the beach and hang out at the event site. That is the surfing event site. Why? Because there's Jack Johnson, there's G love, there's Donovan, there's these guys playing great music every night. It's a festival down at the surfing site. Oh, by the way, there's also the surf site has this great thing where they're promoting yoga and health and wellness. And so there's these whole yoga things like ongoing yoga, um, classes Mm -hmm. there's also um a lot of sustainability and environmental consciousness and and that type of thing there's there's booths there's excitement there's energy there's information there's panels and discussions and seminars so the event site what they're really trying to do is create the lifestyle vibe there so that Everybody in the Olympics is like, what are you doing tonight? I'm going down to the surf site because there's this cool thing down there. That's the cool place to be. And if they can do that, they're confident that they will be invited back into the Olympics because right now surfing is just a trial sport. They're in the Olympics. They're going to be medals, but they're not completely secure for 2024 and 2028 and going forward. And so Fernando and the ISA really is trying to create a situation so that the International Olympic Committee is like, we love you guys even more than we thought we did. Your event site was the cool happening place. You're definitely in in 2024. You are now a a full-time sport. You don't have to stress anymore. So does that mean that surfing takes a backseat to the event site? In some regards, I think it does the waves are going to come or they're not you can't control it but you can't control a cool scene on the beach which is what they're going to do Um, now let's just say the waves are bad or the waves are good look the guys are going to go compete and there's going to be medals and it is what it is And once we get full status into the Olympics, then we can start addressing the surfers' needs and going, hey, okay, look, wave pools do make sense. Let's do this. Let's do that. Plus, technology will have evolved in those times. And we can start to address that. But this 2020 Olympics is really going to be about impressing the IOC with what the surf site will look like. And what it has to offer. What it has to offer the world. What it has to offer NBC. What it has to offer the Olympics at large. All of those (laughs) things.
0: So – I understand the strategy. My I don't know, critic- potential criticism is, does this not sound exactly like what you complain about with the US Open every year?
1: Yeah, it kind of does. It sounds exactly the same. Except the US Open, that demographic like the US Open invites all those nine o like the 909ers come there to drink, to get drunk, to listen to the music. And to watch the skateboarding and the BMX and oh by the way, there's a surf contest going on over there. The International Olympic Committee event site for the Olympics in twenty twenty is going to be surf. It's going and it's not gonna you don't have that in the lampire that's going to invade and take ecstasy and get arrested and cause riots. This is Japan. So it's it's a different it's a different environment to set up a surfing contest event site. Yeah.
0: I I mean, I I agree with you, but I don't think you can fully uh, manage who shows up to things like that and how they participate in things like that and how long until it devolves into that. Like, you can say, we're not going to have a skate ramp. We're going to have a yoga seminar instead. But then down the road when somebody wants to buy advertising and sponsorship red bulls the guy or monster energy well the here's guys. the deal
1: right who owns sponsorship for these events i don't know the olympics yeah there's no you there's have to no be buying in there's no it. buying in you know who owns yeah. it coca cola yeah or ibm or whoever the main sponsors of the olympics are in they've already bought it yeah. like you can't go sell the stage to red bull and sell the skate park to vans and you know that's not happening yeah they own it. They wrap it up. You're just it lucky mi- to be invited to the party.
0: It mitigates some of that.
1: It does. Yeah, and it's correct. in Japan. And it's just a one-time thing. It's not year after year. It's right. every four years. Now, interestingly, guess who's in the running for 2024 Olympics? There's two There's two cities that, that it's come down to. Los
0: Angeles? And the, yes. And? I don't Paris. Know. Oh, okay.
1: Los Angeles and Paris are in the running for 2024. Both of those offer surfing beaches. If it's L.A., you can do it at Trestles, you can do it at Malibu, you can do it up in Ventura at Sea Street. There's plenty of places to hold surfing events. You may recall in the 1984 L.A. Olympics, they did the equestrian events down in San Diego. So they're not averse to traveling to get stuff done.
0: It's a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour drive for people who aren't f- from the area.
1: But Yeah, but the equestrian was done at Fairbanks Ranch in Rancho San Diego. That's what I
0: mean, two-and-a-half-hour drive from the Olympic site.
1: Right, and so to drive from the Olympic sites... Um, in LA to trestles is what an hour and 15 minutes yeah. or something, you know, depending on traffic to go to Malibu. I could see it being done at Malibu. All the infrastructure parking yeah. could be a nightmare, but if, so if LA gets it, they've got plenty of surfing. If Paris gets it, they've got Barritz. surf central of Europe. That's the, no, Now I don't know how far is Paris from Baritz? two hours.
0: I'm not sure either.
1: I don't know. You probably, Google I've driven it. it. Oh, I well, so it's doable. I just
0: can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like,
1: so they'll have it at Burrits. So, Will there be a wave pool? I don't know, but we don't need one. Now, they could still have a wave pool for the Olympics in 2024. The other interesting thing is that whatever city gets 2024, the other city then gets 2028. It's already been decided. That's cool. So surfing is guaranteed beaches for the next three Olympic cycles. Awesome. Through 2028. By 2028, you would think that they're going to have – wave pool tech not the, the technology is already there but somebody's yeah. gonna invest in, in a wave pool so that the next Olympic Games in other words surfing in the Olympics looks really really good if they can pull off a really great 2020 and impress the hell out of the IOC
0: awesome that's really by the way Paris to beer Ritz looks like it's an hour yeah so
1: that's totally doable
0: unless I put in the wrong beer Ritz in my phone I don't know um, yeah well that's exciting and it sounds like like you said, all the infrastructure has kind of come together to give us the potential for the next couple of years. Yeah, the
1: next three Olympic next cycles. cycles if, yeah. if they can if they can impress the heck out of the IOC in, in Japan, which knowing Fernando, I know they will because that guy gets stuff done. Yeah. And um, Bob Fusala, I think I'm saying his name right, is the executive director of the ISA. He's got plenty of Olympic um, experience. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. By the way, I just update. My Google Maps says it's actually seven hours to Biarritz. Oh, Biarritz is in the far southwest, near the border of Spain. Yeah, and then Paris is in the. But there are there are beaches
1: closer to Paris. Well, there's
0: coastline closer to Paris. I'm not sure which beaches, but I'm sure um, they would want to do it in Biarritz. But yeah, seven hours At is kind rate, of a haul, a little bit. Um, I. What do you got? Do you got any other topics? Well, you I've know the Dukes surf demo. Kukes?
1: The surf demo for the Boardroom International Surfboard Show is Sunday morning, okay. 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Many of the exhibitors will be there, um, I and you can ride. All, you can ride their boards. Yeah, everybody you can ride shows up
0: with boards that you can demo. I surfed a asymmetrical Donnie Brink. Uh, cool. Last year, very good.
1: Yeah. So Sunday morning, 15th Street Reef in Del Mar is the surf demo. Uh, free and open to the public.
0: Um, can I give you a Duke and a Kook and a Musty moment? Yes. What do you want to hear first?
1: I do not care. Go for it. Musty
0: moment. Sure. Matt Miola's new film. Oh, I saw that. Numb. So good. Just hit yesterday or the day before. Can I interrupt? Yeah.
1: You know the greatest part of that movie is Lily Miola singing that song. Yeah. That is awesome. So Lily... that's what stuck out to me because Matt Miola doing airs over and over. It's insane. It's great. It's rad. The last one's intense, but. You get a little numb to it. Speaking of numb, isn't it called numb? It is. That's the name of her song. <laughs> because some one of their friends died or so, they, It's sort of an... Um, oh. It's,
0: yeah. Okay. So Lily Miola is a pretty well-respected musician at this point. She's actually managed, believe it or not, by the legendary Shep Gordon, who is most famous for uh, building uh, Alice Cooper's career. He's worked with Teddy Pendergrass, all sorts of... And he was actually largely responsible for launching um, The Celebrity Chef as we know it, working with Emeril Lagasse, Wolfgang Puck, all these guys. And the reason I know all this is because there was a documentary that Mike Myers made about him called Super mensch. Oh, right. Really? Yeah, and it's phenomenal. It's a great documentary. But this guy, Shep Gordon, is just this legendary mensch of a guy in um, the music scene and, of course, now in Hollywood. And... He has a home on Maui, and his personal assistant is Matt Miola's mother. I forget what her name is. And so they've been working together for a very long time. And Lily Miola is this up-and-coming musician on Maui. So through the connection with Matt and Lily's mother... Shep started managing her career, and that's, I think, done wonders for her. She's actually pretty well, I mean, she's more famous probably than Matt is as a surfer, just because music is such a larger platform. At any rate, Lily Miola, as Scott said, has this song called Numb that they use in the soundtrack for this edit. Matt Miola has been injured for the last year, back injury, knee injury, because his surfing is so... um, Crazy, it's, yeah. It's, it's what is it? It's gymnastic. It's it is. It's gymnastic is what it is. So this is his first edit. It basically covers his winter season as he re- came back from this injury, these injuries. Every single image in this edit is an absolute banger. The surfing is mind bending. It's game changing. Um, from the opening shot of him jumping off this rock into the water and the drone that tracks it and the timing of it. like That shot's incredible. And then the surfing is just unbelievably explosive. He's doing not only the airs that Scott's mentioning, but he's doing the claybacks. You know, Clay Marzo's layback where you just blow out the fins and you go into a one-legged layback. He's doing those better than Clay even does them on sections that are gnarlier. He's hitting sections that are double overhead with crazy wind and basically full force going into the lip, throwing the board and just seeing where it goes. And in one of the claybacks, the board actually spins into a 360 and he gets up and rides out of it. It's insane. Um, As if his front foot just holds it in a pivot and the board spins under his foot and then he gets back up. Um, He's contorting in waves that are, or I'm sorry, in ways that are completely unexpected where he hits the lip, a gust of wind hits him and he goes into a spin that he wasn't expecting to. Like He's going up there and improvising mid-flight. We saw John John do that alley-oop at Bells where the wind flutters his board under his feet and then he catches it and stomps it. Miola is getting hit hit by gusts of wind. Well, mid-flight. he's
1: doing grabs and double grabs and he has to. Most There's he a is, few where he's not grabbing, he's doing but most too. of them, and he even mentions, did you read the yeah. Q&A at the bottom of the on the surf line post. Yeah, and he even mentions, look, you're gonna do tighter, quicker, faster spins if you double grab and pull the board in close to your body. And he's, he's talking I,
0: about one air specifically. Yeah, the end one. The end one, which yeah. was he titled a spindle flip when he did it a couple years ago. And it's a double spin. And the spindle flip's more inverted, but that one that he did in this edit, it's flatter. And they were comparing it to Kelly Slater's that he did at Portugal a couple years ago. And they're like, look, Kelly did a double grab, but it was on one rail. You're doing a double grab on both rails. And he said exactly what you said. You can spin tighter and faster. But he's doing other airs in the edit that aren't grabs. Like he yeah. does he any one of those airs in the edit is mind blowing. Oh no. And then no. that one's the most mind blowing of them all.
1: Yeah, he's incredible. I mean, it's 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 on a whole freaky level. It, it is. It, just, I was bringing up the double grabs because, as you know, there's been a lot of, I mean, back when I don't know, I want to say ten years ago or something, there was a lot of chatter about, oh, if you grab rail, you're lame. Exactly. Yeah. And he's doing things in conditions that I think, you know, require you to grab the rail. Although I'm sure he. He's setting up those sessions so that the wind's blowing into him, so it's ideal to not grab the rail. I'm not an expert,
0: but... But it's already a windy... Lo- like Maui, it's, super it's windy. so windy all the time.
1: And I just think that at the level he's doing things, the whole, oh, he grabs the rail, that's lame um, argument is sort of mute.
0: I agree. I, I don't... I think it's... Um, I haven't even heard a lot of vitriol because yeah, the, it's so yeah. gnarly.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Like, we've gotten to a place where it's beyond being worried about if you're double grabbing on a glassy day at trestles yeah. on...
0: The thing that blows my mind is the amount of projection that he's hitting the lip with, the amount of force that he's hitting the lip with. He's bottom turning with so much, I don't know, projection off the bottom, going into a lip that's sometimes well overhead with all this wind and unpredictability. And he just hits the lip and goes into the air. And it's like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And like I said, gusts hit him and all these things happen. And he just goes with it. He improvises midair and he gets so much loft and rotation because of that bottom turn. And then he, he's so gumby like that he lands things that are just crazy, which is why he was injured for so long, you know? Well I, I mean, just think, my mind was blown. I my
1: mean, too. I loved it and and again I loved Lily Miola. I had this ignorant vision of Lily Meola, Miola like strumming the ukulele and singing yeah, one one flute, you know, um somewhere over the rainbow or something. You know like I didn't realize how emotive and how powerful she sounded more like she could be singing in a Pink Floyd song cuz she belts out some some pretty it was just powerful singing like it's it was sincere. You know it sounded like it came from her heart like it was
0: I agree. It, as radical as the surfing was I was taken by her singing. I was too and it wasn't just her vocals there was a lot of arrange arrangement and like production in the song. It was clearly like a professionally produced oh, yeah. arranged uh, song.
1: And, and I believe about this guy who yeah. passed his name. There's that one part in the video where he signs the guy's name on the finished oh, surf I like, didn't connect those. Dots. Yeah. You're right. I think it's great. So is he shaping now? Cause I, it, was, it he looked like it, it, out. it looked like it. I thought that part of the video was a little bit um, planned and a little bit you know, maybe I don't want to say trite. I think they wanted to get convey the message that this is dedicated to my friend. You know, okay. and so they wrote his name on that blank. I think they could have done that in a better way. That didn't because to me, I went, oh, this seems forced." A yeah,
0: well, so he goes into the shaping room. There's a machi- there's a machine shaped board sitting there that he scrubs out and finishes. In my from my memory, I remember him writing boards by. Is it Sean Ordonez? Is that? the Maui shaper. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name. Yeah, that is
1: no, that is the right. name. Okay.
0: That's who I've seen him ride boards from in the past. I don't know whether he's getting them now, Um, but that's my must see moment. I'm going to give you a Duke and a kook that are somewhat related. My Duke is the rescue team comprised of Kelly Slater, Ross Clark Jones, Tom Carroll, Ryan Hipwood, and Ben Serrano, who saved Russell Bierke's life. Yes. They were all surfing Port Campbell. The waves were about 15 feet. Russell took off on one. He fell and got hit by his board and knocked unconscious. The board was left with a dent. Now we're talking about a nine-foot surfboard weighing 22 pounds, 10 kilos.
1: How big was the dent?
0: I don't know. I huh. didn't see a photo of it, but they said it left a dent, but I mean a nine foot board getting hit by that. No, beam, no, that's like a beam. Pounds. That's
1: like a wooden beam falling on your head from the ceiling. It's totally. Like, yeah.
0: So he was knocked uncompletely completely unconscious. Ryan Hipwood noticed him. They sent the ski in and rescued him and they got him to the beach. And Kelly said, if it wasn't, if it wasn't for the ski, It would have been a 20-minute paddle from where they were to the beach, and he was completely unconscious. Oh, he would have died. So he more than likely would have died. They got him to the beach. They said he was blue as a smurf. When they revived him, he was vomiting up water, completely bloodshot. I mean, the guy was on the brink of death. So shout out to the rescue team for being there, seeing it, and being so on top of things. I'll also give a shout out to the man himself, Russell Bierke, um, who won the Cape Fear event last year when he was 18 years old. Jumped One into of the best events ever. Best event. And the kid dominated. Like, <laughs> it was he was so good. Fearlessly. That was so entertaining. And I've reposted his edit, Berserky is what they labeled it, Yeah, yeah. his last name, um, on surfsplendorpodcast.com. So if you want to check that out and refamiliarize familiarize yourself with Russell Bierke, the kid's an animal.
1: Yeah, I'm glad they saved that guy, I man. I'm a big fan of his. He's, he's it's sort of an interesting situation. With, I'm glad
0: they had the ski there. And skis do p- save people's lives. Well, that segues into my kook, which is um, Surfrider? No. no, 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 no. It's the state lawmakers in Hawaii, led by State Rep Scott Nishimoto, who is looking to change the language in a bill that will eliminate the protection provided to the lifeguards of Hawaii from potential lawsuits filed by people that they are rescuing. Why? Are you familiar with this?
1: I've seen, I didn't get into it, but I saw that there was some chatter about it online, but I didn't get into it.
0: Basically, uh, the lifeguards in Hawaii have had this bill passed in 2002 that protects them from frivolous lawsuits. Like if they're going to save somebody's life and they're not able to, or something goes wrong, those, um, the, people that they're trying to save or those people's family are not allowed to sue the lifeguards over negligence is essentially what this bill provides. Right. And other life rescuers like, um, policemen, firemen don't have that protection. Lifeguards are the only people that have that protection. Right. Well, the, the problem is that there's, I, apparently there's a group of attorneys, that wants to change this legislation and they're pushing for it so there's a bill that it it just changes the language in the bill basically and that's going to go to a vote on june 30th and this scott nishimoto is pushing for it and the lifeguards are saying whoa 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 we need this protection because look the ocean is unpredictable and there's all these crazy things that can happen and we Aren't willing to do our job and put our lives on the line if something goes wrong, and then we get sued for millions of dollars, you know, and lose our job and lose our livelihood and all that sort of stuff. This is going to open it up to frivolous lawsuits, basically. That's what is liable to happen. So I'm suggesting that the lawmakers are the kooks for trying to change it this. It seems thing and as jeopardize what
1: I'm law reading laws. about this is that personal injury lawyers yeah, have exactly. have lobbied lawmakers in Hawaii, namely Scott Nishimoto to change this. And they probably threw a bunch of dollars at their reelection campaigns and said, take this out, take this wording out of this bill. I mean, out of that legislation that's already in there. And yeah, there's, it's kind of blown up online a little bit.
0: Look, you want to, you want to make some, uh, recourse available to people for negligence provided, or that's potentially perpetrated by, uh, whoever police, whatever, But at the same time, these lifeguards in Hawaii, you and I know, they aren't getting rich doing it. They're not going to go out there and try to rescue somebody at Pipeline drunk on the job or doing it negligently. Like They're looking out for their best interest first and foremost in terms of surviving the situation. So they're doing that fully trained and able in their best state of health and mind to make that rescue they wouldn't be doing it negligently they wouldn't be putting their own life on the line to rescue a tourist and by the way scott how many horror stories have we heard from lifeguards and from people who are now surfing in hawaii during the winter going do these tourists show up who don't know how to swim and they wade into the water at pipeline on a flotation device thinking that they're going to just like go for a swim like people are idiots and these lifeguards are the ones saving these people so we need to back the lifeguards and put our support behind the lifeguards in that they can support them just knowing that they're using their best judgment in these situations period you know
1: yeah it's a weird situation i can't imagine anyone wanting to take that those protections away from the lifeguards it's just stupid
0: yeah so that's my coop yes
1: Scott Nishimoto cook.
0: <laughs> all the state lawmakers
1: well we got a big show boardroom everybody should come out uh, it's going to be a lot of fun May 6th and 7th Delmar Fairgrounds we've got uh, the guy who makes Dave Rostovich's surfboards Gary McNeil he's one of the shapers in the shape off I ordered a board from him I'm looking forward to getting that nice. and um, Matt Kinoshita from Maui is coming over Maui. John Pizel of him yeah makes John John boards Johnny Cabianca makes Gabriel Medina's boards come meet these guys they're all going to be there and hundreds of other shapers and board builders
0: everybody under one roof it's crazy
1: yeah it's going to be a lot of fun yeah and then ride the board Sunday morning uh, Del Mar 15th Street yeah I'll be there more information tickets and information at boardroomshow.com the same place you can get down the line surf podcast just like you can get down the line surf podcast at surfsplendor.com
0: right David you mean surf news with Scott Bass? I thought we went through this.
1: This is your chance to just like embrace the down the line surf pod brand.
0: <sighs> Can't strong arm me, Scott. I'm, I'm not. I'm just, I don't
1: understand what you're why you're being why are you confusing everybody? Uh, there's no confusion. Everybody knows what's up. <laughs> so, so did everything <laughs> we talked about just go down the did drain. We do well, anyway. You don't want Down the Line Surf Podcast to be the name of what anyway. do you mean, why are
0: you giving me the hand? You're, you're like... oh No, we'll talk about it. We'll talk
1: about oh, it. Oh, man, people want to hear this on the air. They heard it. Let's let the listeners decide.
0: I think they do. Check the hundreds of comments <laughs> on my site. How many comments do you have?
1: Oh, man.
0: Let's track the numbers. Let's look at the statistics. Let's go to the books.
1: Okay, so you don't want to call it Downline Surf Podcast anymore? Anymore?
0: Anymore? Yeah. I never that's did how, from the get-go. No,
1: no. That's what we call it every time we start no, the show. that's what you
0: call it when you come into
1: the right. show. Right. Well, that's what the show's called. It's called Down the Line Surf Podcast. No, 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 no.
0: I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not going to uh, commit to it right now because then you'll hold me to the commitment. But I'm open well, to the course. discussion. I'm open to the discussion.
1: You're what trying are you to catch of? me
0: off kilter. I'm just wondering what you're afraid of. I'm not afraid of anything, dude. I've built my own thing and I've got all the listenership where I don't, I'm not afraid of anything. Like I could do what I want. Okay. I got you. But I I, made
1: it loud and clear. Now I get it. You're ready to go on your own. That's
0: not what I'm saying at all. That's what you just said. I'm not saying that at all. You just said you've built your
1: own thing and you've got a good thing and you can do anything you want.
0: I'm just saying I'm thrilled with the relationship that we have
1: and I'm not, not thrilled enough to call it downline surf podcast.
0: Well, I think we need to come to an agreement on what we call it. I'm just not going to get bullied into calling it <laughs> what you want to call it. That's what I'm that's saying. That's what it's been called forever. It's not that's like what, what I you, want. No, that's what your show has been called together, but I contribute at least 50% to no, what I'm we've been doubting doing for the, that. For the past okay, few what years. what do you want to call it? What do you want to change it to? Let's get our listeners to chime in. What do they want to hear it called?
1: Okay. That's, that's a good a, idea. I
0: think that's the way to do it. Chime in. Everybody chime in. You
1: can email David at Surfsplunderpodcast.com. Hello? Hello at surfsplunderpodcast.com. You can email Scott at boardroomshow.com. Or post
0: it on Instagram let's do yeah. it and it, by the way the only it's not like down the line and surf news are the only two options give us feedback what in do you my
1: want mind they are
0: are they or is that what you're saying or well, should it's we down the we-
1: line surf podcast or something else We can the, call it surf news you call it whatever but, but that's what
0: I'm saying maybe they have a I better idea what if they called- come up with a new name yeah that's fine that's, I'm totally open to that I'm open to anything whatever the listeners want Scott <laughs> let the people
1: speak <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, I guess that's it for this episode of what we used to call Downline Surf Podcast. Maybe you'll see us again. Maybe you won't. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Until next time, adios and aloha. Uh, we're back. We're back. We got some breaking news. Tell me. David has decided to call the no, show. no, no, no. What's the breaking news? The breaking news is the World Surf League has announced that Outer Known, Kelly Slater's company brand, clothing company, is the title sponsor for the Fiji Pro this year. A three-year sponsorship of both the men's and the women's event.
0: Three years?
1: Three-year sponsorship.
0: That indicates a commitment that indicates nothing. But it let's, call, let's call
1: it a three-year sponsorship if we're still around. We'll
0: you and I didn't even know if WSL would still be. <laughs> this doesn't in say days. they
1: are going to be. I'm just saying that it's kind of like WSL bought Kelly Slater's wave. pool. it's like no, there's no money exchange. They just Kelly just said, "Hey, okay, well, yeah. I'm part of you. You're part of me."
0: Well, that anyway, is big news,
1: outer known, big news, breaking news right here. Thanks awesome. to our email that they sent out to the world.
0: Perfect. <laughs> All right. Good job, okay. Scott. Adios, and There you go. (laughs) Um, Scott and I chatted a little bit after the show about this, and um, we haven't resolved anything, essentially. And I think, to be honest, as always, this is kind of a community, and it's an open discussion with you guys, the listeners. So by all means, send us your feedback, and we'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Um, I will share a few thoughts with you, and... I'll share them with Scott, too, when we reconnect, and but I certainly want to share them with you just because, I'll be perfectly honest, my allegiance is to you, the listener, more than it is any guest that I've had or any um, co-host that I've had. So I I just want to kind of restate, and it, the whole conversation took me off guard, and um, so I didn't really have a chance to collect my thoughts, and I haven't yet listened back to it, so I'm not sure whether or not I fully conveyed My thoughts. So I'm going to kind of rehash it now that, um, it's settled in. It's been probably two hours or so since Scott and I recorded anyways. Um, I just want to state my intention and my purpose when Scott and I connected four years ago to record this show. And my intention was only ever to add value to anything that Scott was doing. Um, whether it was his podcast legacy with down the line or with the boardroom show. That's why I've invested my own money into the equipment that we use to record, why I've spent obviously a significant amount of time on post-production, why I track the statistics of the shows. Um, I feel like I've only ever spoken with reverence for Scott's legacy and I'll be fine continuing onward with our current relationship where we both just publish separately. I was okay with that agreement. I've never brought any of this up. I mean, I'm totally fine, even if I'm the one doing um, the recording and tracking and all that sort of stuff. In addition to co-hosting, Scott's stance that he brought up on today's show just really, really surprised me because I didn't know that he felt that way. and if he hasn't been able to update a show and get it to show up on iTunes, or if he feels like he's lost some sort of control of the show or some sort of traction with the audience, it's not a reflection of me manipulating anything at all. I've always tried to invest more into this exchange than I've ever taken out of. And that's how I kind of treat relationships in my life with my employer, with my family, with, um, romantic relationships like i want to make sure that the other person feels like they're getting the better of the of the exchange so quite frankly it's confusing to me that scott my perspective on this subject is so different and honestly it's slightly insulting and very disheartening that Scott feels slighted by our exchanges or by our relationship. I feel very proud and confident that I've lifted more than my fair share of the workload through the past four years together. And I've been, I'd have been i be proud to do it again. And I've never um, once complained about it, or my workload, or I've never even mentioned it on the show. So again, it's really shocking to hear that I know we both feel inequitable in our exchange, but I'm shocked to hear that Scott feels that he's ending up on the side of getting taken advantage of, and even more shocked, I mean, really insulted to hear him sling mud at me regarding those values and the workload um, live on the air. It was really, again, shocked by it. Um, I've always kind of enjoyed our dynamic of, you know, frenemy. And uh, it creates, I think, for really good podcasts. And every time that I've received a listener email explaining their distaste for Scott, I've always received five that say that they actually enjoy our dynamic. And I really do, too. I enjoy our dynamic. Uh, I think it makes for great podcasting. But I think if Scott feels taken advantage by me or slighted in any way, then perhaps we just have a fundamental different worldview. And I'm not sure that there's any amount of bending that I can do that will bridge that chasm, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So this remains to be continued. Um, (laughs) I'll keep you posted. And I actually have an episode with Todd Glazer already in the can. I've got one with Keith Malloy already in the can. Um, You'll hear the Todd Glazer one next week. He's talking about his new film that he's partnered with Taylor Steele on called Proximity. And um, my point is that I have a bunch of stuff for you in coming weeks as the listener. Whether Scott and I reconnect or whether it takes a little bit of time to reconnect, um, that is yet to be revealed. But I really feel that that might actually be dictated by what your guys' thoughts are. and. I don't care like whether you side with me or him or whatever. I mean, it might validate my ego somewhat, but I'm more interested in just, um, let me know what your thoughts are, and whether they're good, bad, or ugly. And if I'm being uh, dumb, tell me. Be like, dude, you're stupid. This is a minor issue. Figure it out, move forward, whatever. Um, in regard, I feel a need to mention, in regard to people who are financially subscribed to the show and donating, as you know, we have a donation platform. So, if you are making that donation, feel free to pause it, um, feel free to cancel it. It's easy to do through PayPal. Like I said, I'll continue publishing episodes, um, but you know, if you're here for Scott or that you're intending that that goes to Scott, then by all means, put it on pause or put it on cancel or whatever. Um, just for complete clarity's sake, the way that we divide those funds up is whatever comes in each month at the end of the month, I... Uh, tally it up and run all the statistics over the entire history of the show and just divide up the number of dollars that came in by the number of downloads we've gotten. And every show that Scott and I co-hosted, we split 50-50. All the shows that I've produced solely on my own, like Cyrus Sutton last week, um, I get 100% of. So we just take the total number of dollars that come in, divide it by the total number of downloads and then um, divide it up equitably from there. So for clarity's sake, that's how that works. And um, I mean, even if if Scott and I don't reconnect, I will continue to send, if our episodes continue getting downloads, I'll continue to send him his fair share of that. So that's that. Um, Like I said, Send us feedback. Hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com is my contact information. Scott's is down the line radio at gmail.com. And then my Instagram is at surfsplendor. Scott's is at boardroom show. Chime in on there. I'll share whatever emails come in with Scott, hoping he does the same, or you can just copy both of us on those things. Hope you enjoyed the show. This is, as always, David Scales for Surf Splendor Radio. Reminding you, despite all the drama, get back in the ocean, get a couple of waves, and shred on